Anyways, uh, we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 7. Last week we looked at a lesson we were talking about, uh, is there not a cause? And we looked at some hindrances to the cause and the fear of man and discouragement, uh, you know, really keep us from getting involved in the cause of uh, the Lord. And basically the, the, the cause is simply to glorify God with your life. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And it's so easy not to, isn't it? So easy to get caught up, caught up in your own stuff and just do it for yourself, do it for your own plan, do it for your own good, uh, what you think is your own good. Uh, but really, uh, glorifying God is the best thing for everybody in your family, best thing for you. Uh, that is the cause that we have to grab a hold of. David caught that as uh, Goliath came to fight the children of Israel and they all could not see that cause. They could not understand. But this young boy, this teenage boy, came on the scene there, and uh, he saw the cause immediately. He knew exactly what he needed to do, and he stood up and, be, and was counted at a time where everybody else feared, and everybody else quit, and everybody else was discouraged. And he's the one that did it. And I think we need to be more like that today. Um, you know, if we say we have the answer... We've got the scriptures, we've got the answer, uh, the truth, uh, then we ought to be able to take up that cause no matter what comes our way and not get discouraged about it. And so last week we talked about the hindrances to the cause. Today I want to talk about what is needed for success for the cause. What do you need for it? Well, 1 Samuel 16 verse 7, we have the account of David being uh, anointed uh, king and we see that the, the really what we see is what's needed is in this verse right here. It says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And so what's needed for the cause? It's your heart. Something about your heart. Remember, who's the first person that David talked to when he got to the front lines? It was Eliab. Now, who was Eliab? The oldest brother on, you know, in Jesse's boys, amen? And guess who Samuel would have picked by looking on the outward appearance? Eliab. But Eliab wasn't the one to take up the cause. He wasn't the one to stand up and say, I'll take on the, on the giant. And you know what? God saw that heart. He saw that chapters before and said, Samuel, that's not how I choose my man. I choose him based on what I see in that heart. Amen. So the things that we have to understand is it's not how you portray yourself or how, to, you know, how you're going to allow people to see you and so forth. It's really the essence of who you are in your heart. And uh, I know I've got a message about David. There's so many things that you can see about David as, as you look at his life uh, that, that he was so different than his brothers. One of those things was simply that he was watching the sheep when he was supposed to. It's that simple. Young men, those of you that are uh, underneath authority in your parents' homes, I'll tell you who it is God's going to use. Those of you that do not rebel against your mom and dad. Those of you that stand true to your parents and obey them, even as tedious as it might be, as, as hard as the task may be, when everybody else is having fun and you're not, I'll tell you who God's going to use. He's going to use that one with the right heart. Amen. Another thing is, uh, there was a psalm where David said, I don't exercise myself in great matters. Think about that. 
We live in a day and age, and I'll tell you, Baptists are probably terribly guilty of this. You know, you're not anybody until you've got a church of two, 3,000. <laughs> you know what I mean? And everything's got to be a great thing. It's got to be a big meeting. It's got to be the big... That's not what dictates who's going to stand for the cause. David did not exercise himself in great matters. He didn't say, oh, there's a big thing going on. I've got to get in the middle of it. That's not what he said. He stayed out in the pasture. When the anointing of the king, that's a big deal. You think David would just left the sheep and run over there because it's a big deal. He stayed exactly where he ought to have been. Think about David when he came down and his father asked him because he could trust his son to go and bring food to the front lines and take care of his brothers and so forth and give a report and all these different things. And, and it's interesting that in the passage, you have David and how it even mentions that he put the care of the animal, the cart that he was actually coming there with in the care of another person before he went and talked to his brothers. Why would God mention that? It's not that important. We all know that he probably you know, tied the chariot on somewhere, tied the, the cart somewhere. But you know, God wanted us to see that David was concerned about always doing and being responsible because he knew he was accountable for the things that he had under his care. That's the right kind of heart. Amen? We want to, you know, be a part of the cause. And it's not the great things that's going to make the difference. It's going to be the little things. It's going to be how you, how you treat daily responsibilities, how you, your little attitudes, uh, not the big meetings. <laughs> oh, preacher, you have a big meeting. Then I'm going to be right in there. You get the preachers in. Then I'll go talk to them. No, if you can't go sit down to next some, somebody sitting right here and encourage them, you're no good at a big meeting either. Wow. Amen? That's a wrong kind of heart. Our heart's got to be for everybody at the least of times, not the greatest of times. Amen? And so we got to remember that God looked upon the heart of David and he made the right choice and we know it and he proved it later when Eliab says, I'm not going to fight that guy. And not only that, he began to accuse the one that would. God saw that heart. Amen? So remember this. Nobody is keeping you from serving God. There's not one person on this planet can, that can never do it. If God wants you somewhere, he'll get you there. But I'll tell you what's going to hinder you, your own heart. That's what it's going to be. Nobody's going to keep you from being what God wants you to be. There's not one man that can stand in your way. David proved that. Even though he had a king that was ready to impale him with a javelin. <laughs> and yet God still brought him to the place that he needed to be. Amen? And so remember that. You know, because sometimes we can blame the circumstances. Why I'm not serving God the way that I could. No, it's not that at all. If you're not serving God the way that you could, it's nobody's fault. It's not because the preacher doesn't choose me. It's not because there's not an opportunity. It's because your heart, something needs to happen. Something needs to happen. And God's looking on your heart today. David knew before he came to the battle that it was not his abilities that accomplished God's purpose. I believe he knew that. He believed his God was worthy of his worship and able to do whatever his will desired. I like the passage in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. He's scanning today. His eyes are scanning this room. 
He's looking for a heart. He's looking for a heart that's perfect towards him, that I can show my strength through. Folks, there's nobody in, nobody in the middle there. There's no middleman there. There's you and him. And his eyes are on your heart tonight. Amen? Think about that for a second. It's easy to come up with excuses why we can't serve God, why we can't do this. But I'll tell you something. When God looks, he doesn't look through somebody else. He looks straight into your heart. He says, why can't I use you? What's the problem here? Amen? Or can I use you? And will I use you? Amen? And I think if we keep our hearts right and keep our hearts perfect before God, I believe that God will use us. So God seeks for a man with a perfect heart to use for his cause. Now, what does that mean? That means I can never feel down. That means I can never be mad. (laughs) No. David had all those things. He had a lot of different emotions. He was confused. Remember, even at the gate of of the king of uh, the Philistines, remember, he was running away from Saul. And what did he do? He acted like a madman. Spittle down his face and everything. Just blah, 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 blah. He thought, maybe this guy will take me in. <laughs> you know? I mean, you tell him that wasn't quite right. <laughs> but isn't it interesting that God looked down at his, his David and said, David, bless your heart. I got a plan for your life. Even though you're acting like a kook today. And you know, sometimes you act like a kook too. <laughs> you know? And isn't it great that God looks past all that kookiness and he knows what you go through and he knows your frame and he looks straight to your heart and says, I know there's more than that in there. Amen? That's a good God. So what makes a heart, perfect heart that glorifies God today? I think it's, number one, a heart that trusts God glorifies God. You've got to trust him. 1 Samuel 17, 33, it says, And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. And he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. Wow, I love that. That is a statement of faith. That is a, that's a young man that says, guess what? He is no better than the lion or the bear, and he doesn't scare me at all. And then he goes on to say, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God, David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. Like that meant something, Saul. <laughs> you know what I mean? The Lord is with him, whether you said it or not, Saul, God is with this young man. And you know what? He trusted God. You all know the verse in Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Or Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Amen? Trusting God brings victory every time. You think about that. If you can just trust him in your situation, it may be tough and you may be getting right down to the finish line. And God many times does that. He brings you right to the end, right to the last dollar, right to the last minute, right to the last anything. And that's where he shows up. Like I said this morning, you know, I'm out of food, God. He says, well, you finish what you got in your freezer and I'll meet you there. See, we've never got to the end of the freezer. We're complaining how God doesn't supply and we even, even got supply. But I'll tell you something, when your freezer is empty, that's where God will meet you. I'll guarantee you that. Do you trust him? 
Take no thought for your life, he says. Amen. I believe you'll meet us there. I think a lot of us never had that opportunity. You know, how many of us have gotten to the place, Lord, I don't have enough food to eat today? You know, I heard of uh, Brother um, uh, Veach, who was, uh, he ended up being a, a national emergency uh, physician that uh, actually went into emergency uh, um, uh, centers, what do you call them, and he would just revamp the whole system. He'd do that throughout the, the country, the United States. He was high up in the medical field. But before that was like that, he, he said, I remember the day where we were trying to find enough pennies in between the cushions of the vehicle so we could buy one bottle, one jar of peanut butter so we could eat. And he ended up being very successful. The Lord always met, meets you there, you know. And he put out several cds and music cds and him and his wife sang together he passed away of cancer not long ago but you know god used him mightily he trusted him he didn't give up on god and you ought to trust him too first samuel seventeen forty six says this day will the lord deliver me into my deliver thee he's talking to the goliath here into mine hand and i will smite thee and take thine head from thee and I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. You notice what his purpose was? To glorify God. He's, I'm going to do this, and I trust it because you know what? God, they need to see that God is alive. He wasn't say so they'll see how great of a Christian I am. So you can see how spiritual I am. Everybody can see how great of a person... Folks, if that's your motivation, that's why God can't use you. But when you get to the place that you know what, I want to live right for my family. I want to do right for my family. I want to do right for my church because I want them all to see that God can still work. Just like Caleb, when he, after 40 years of wandering the wilderness with the rest of them, when he had a chance to go in, it wasn't about, hey, look at how great I am. He wanted to go in there and show these young people that he had, that were sitting on his knee for 40 years that he was trying to convince, hey, your parents didn't believe in him, but God is still real. And he was discipling them for 40 years. And when that 40 years was done, he walked into that land and says, I want to show you that my God is still alive. At 80 years old, amen. Boy, I tell you something, that's a heart. That's a heart that God wants to use. Not this self-exalting heart. All about you and what you want and how you want people to see you as being on top and you're the spiritual one. Look what I've done for God. We've done nothing. God has done it all. I love this church. You know what I can do to say about this church? I can say that God did it all. I don't want to take any credit for it whatsoever. I'm just going to stand up here and preach the word of God. And you know what he's going to do? He is going to build his church. And I'm going to give him glory for it. I don't want the glory. I don't need that. I just want God to, God to be glorified in Airdrie Baptist Church. Amen? I hope you have that same heart. I hope you don't want to come in here and just prove how great you are. That's, this isn't the place for you then. You need to find the, the camp of Israel somewhere on the hillside. That's your place. This place is not for self-exaltation. This is a place where you lose your identity. This is a place where your name doesn't mean anything anymore. This is a place where you lose your, your name to Jesus Christ. The body of Christ, that's what it's all about. It doesn't matter how much you give to missions, guess what? It's all one big pot. We're just going to take it all and just give it all to the, to, to the Lord and His glory. Amen. 
Well, I give most of that. Well, then you better find a different church because you're too big for this church. God's looking for people with a humble heart. Amen. We give ourselves to this church because we want God to be glorified. And I believe that's exactly why God is doing what he's doing here. God help us if also we want to make a big name. <laughs> I don't care if you know my name. I don't care if you remember my name. I don't care if the city knows my name. I don't care any of that. I just want to see God do a great work for the people of this church and throughout our area. Oh, Lord, help us. Amen. And I don't want no self-glorifiers here. <laughs> you know, that's what you want. You're in the wrong place. Uh, you're not going to like me much because I'm not going to be stroking you. I'm not going to be patting you on the back and say, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. I'm not going to do that. You just thank God you got an opportunity. You just thank God you got a local church. You know, you just thank God you got a place to go to where the word of God is still being preached in this wicked world that we live in. It's not going to be that common. Little by little, it's all slipping away. We're, we're, We're living in the age of apostasy. You know what that means? Apostasy is people that know the truth and they decide to turn away from it. And slowly but surely, our churches are moving away from the truth. Starting with standards and music and Bible and all these different things. And they're all going down to the pit, man. And our children and grandchildren are going to suffer for it. They're not going to get the pure gospel anymore. God help us. We keep this up because we want our kids to be saved. We want our grandkids to be saved. We got to keep this gospel pure. But that gospel, it has to be kept with a pure heart, a right heart, amen, a perfect heart. And he says, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. (laughs) Oh, Goliath, he's looking at his spear. (laughs) How many of you have a spear like this? He's looking at his sword and saying, yeah, come up against this thing. (laughs) Oh, all of his his faith was in that sword and spear. Many times we in the church, we can put all of our faith in our bank account or all of our faith in certain people in the church or in certain things that we are good at. (laughs) No, sir. It's got to be faith in the Lord and what he can do through us. Amen. So a heart that Trust God glorifies God. Number two, a heart that loves God glorifies God. Deuteronomy 6, 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. David loved God. Oh, you can tell as you read the Psalms, and I hope you are. I hope every week you, you spend some time, and that's why our Bible reading plan has, has a plan for the Psalms. Every week you get at least a couple of Psalms you get to read, and you know what? That helps you. It's your devotional time. Psalms are about your heart to God. Proverbs is about your heart to man. But never forsake the Psalms, and the Psalms is where David expresses his heart towards God. And you know what? He also expresses his doubt and his battles and all these different things. But always by the end of the Psalm, somehow he, he just recenters himself and says, God, you are the answer for this. It's because he loved him. You're going to struggle. <laughs> You're going to struggle through things. You're going to doubt whether God can bring that bill and pay that bill sometimes. Or whether God can fix that relationship problem that you've been dealing with or whatever it may be or that job 
problem or that lack of job problem. I don't know, Lord, but you better just make sure that you recenter yourself on the Lord by the, by the time you're done that psalm. That's what David did. Amen. He loved him. David defended the honor of the one he loved. And this is what we need to do. We need to look at our God that we love him and we need to understand that anything that does not represent him properly, we will defend his honor. We will stand. Amen. We are not going to put up with ungodliness. We are not going to take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Amen. We're going to make sure we hold up the character of our God. And this church is one that does that. Sure, we'll fail sometimes, but we're going to reset ourselves and, and go at it again. Amen. Let's do it. We stand behind those things we love. We defend the honor of those we love. In 1 Samuel 17, 25, And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up? And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that... that Killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised uh, Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? That always confused me. Didn't he just tell you this? Didn't he just tell you what you're all going to get from, you know, if you go and kill this? He says, what's going to happen if a man stands for the Lord and defeats us? He's not interested in the riches. He doesn't care about the king's daughter. He doesn't care about all these things and even that his father's house would be free in Israel. He says, what's really going to happen if someone's going to stand up for our Lord? (laughs) This person that defies the armies of the living God. He's trying to get them to see that what you're offering me is not anything what I'm looking for. (laughs) I'm looking to defend my Lord. The honor of our God. Amen. David saw that the enemy was mocking his God and he could not allow that to happen. The motivation was not for material gain or worldly honor, but that one he loved would be vindicated from the giant's mocking accusations. I'll tell you something, we just leave that giant mocking out there, everybody's going to begin to believe the giant. Who is this God? Especially when the people of God are cowering on the the hillside while this giant comes out unchallenged. (laughs) People begin to see, well, yeah, who is this God? You guys say you're the armies of the living God? David said, no, this cannot stand. (laughs) We got to shut up this guy. We got to show him that there is a God and he's mocking that God. Amen. You can't love the world and love God at the same time. We need to understand that. That's what's getting in the way today of our dedication, consecration to the Lord. We love this world too much and we don't love the Father. Number three, a heart that obeys God glorifies God. In 1 Kings 8, 6, he says, That all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none else. Let your heart therefore be perfect with the Lord our God to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments as at this day. I'm worried about Christianity today. Christianity today, it seems like what they're doing is they're saying... You know, you don't really have to obey God. We're living in an age of grace, and it's okay if you don't do everything right. It's okay if you don't follow him with all your heart. It's okay if you don't surrender yourself and live that consecrated life to the Lord. It's just okay. 
you know, God just, he, he's okay with that because Jesus died. All your sin is paid for. You know, don't worry about it. Just go on and live your life. You know, the Lord wants you to enjoy life. I have no doubt about that. But you know what the Lord wants? He wants all of you. He wants all of you. He's not interested in us giving half a heart to him or a quarter heart to God and the rest of this world. He's not interested in that. You know how you know you're consecrated to him? You will obey him. You will do the right thing. You stop your belly aching about following God and the commands of God, and they're not grievous to you anymore. That's a sign of a love relationship with God is when you can obey him, and it, it isn't a problem for you. You're not complaining about it, amen? That complaining is a, is a sign that you don't truly love God because you're not obeying him from the heart. That's why he said, let your heart therefore be perfect with the Lord our God. To walk in his statutes. He says, you want to do right? You want to obey? You want to walk in my statutes the right way? You've got to love me right. We know that's true. And if we're always battling and struggling about, oh, I want to be, I want to serve God more, but I'm not. Folks, you've got to work on your love relationship with the Lord. That's what it's about. When you have, some of you married people, you know what this is like. When you first met that girl and or that guy and, you know, they were just everything to you. There is nothing you wouldn't have done. You'd have driven a driven hundred miles to go see them that night. You would have spent the last five dollars in gas, and you would have driven on fumes on the way home. That's what God wants. Nowadays, it's like, well, I don't know if I got any extra for God. I don't know if I can sacrifice that much gas and that much time and understand i got to make some money here well that's not a love relationship tell you what if your future wife or your girlfriend treated you like that you'd say maybe i shouldn't marry this one amen somehow that attitude is good enough for god but it's not good enough for our personal relationships right maybe we ought to change our mind about that i think if we love him there's probably nothing you will not do you will give your time and energy. You're going to hurt sometimes. You're still going to do it. <laughs> it's going to cost you money. You're still going to do it. It's going to cost you time and resources. You're still going to do it. Amen? You guys are quiet today. Maybe it's because I'm a little quieter. Turn up the mic. No. <laughs> Saul disobeyed because his heart... I think you just turned it up, didn't you? <laughs> Saul disobeyed because his heart was not perfect. See, he had a problem. His heart had been moving away from God for some time now. But now thy kingdom, it says in 1 Samuel 13, verse 14, a couple of chapters before, thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over the people because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Oh, what a terrible thought. I'm thinking about myself, even as a pastor of the church, I think, Boy, wouldn't it be a terrible thing that God removed me from the pastoral leadership of this church because I just don't want to obey him. I don't love him enough. But I'll tell you something, if I don't, then I ought not be here. Then you ought to get somebody that'll love God right. Amen? Seriously. A perfect heart evidences itself in obedience to God's word. You do not make excuses for why you don't do what God says. Well, you know, there's nobody perfect. and Well, you know, like, 
God understands. He knows my heart. And Man, what a statement. What a statement. We're always trying to make excuses why we're not doing everything we know God wants us to do. And like that's going to make a difference. Like somehow you're convincing God. No, what you're doing is you're trying to convince people. Because you're far too concerned about people rather than God. People don't make excuses when they're struggling with God if they're concerned completely about God. When I hear excuses to me, I say, all you're doing is doing it for me. I don't want you to come to church for me. Hey, I appreciate, when you're going out of town for two weeks, I do appreciate you letting me know. Not because you have to, not because I'm a dictator, but you know what? I get concerned about people. And I spend two weeks being very concerned for you and why you are not in church. Because it's no joke. It's the same way a shepherd would wonder where that little sheep went to. Immediately he'd say, oh, I guess I better go look for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? He doesn't wait two weeks to go look for the sheep. By then the wolf has got it. You understand that? So it's not about that. I appreciate when people call me and say, hey, pastor, I'm just going to be gone but you know our pride you know what our pride says I don't need to tell him you gotta love God man if you would love God you would know why it'd be good to do something like that I'm not saying you need to or anything like that but you know I knew where Neil and Tina were the whole time and we were able to pray for them I know where my sons are today and what they're doing we're praying for them you know what I (laughs) amen Did I turn my mic off? I'm always playing with my mic and I turn it off by accident. No, it's back on. I turned it off and on. <laughs> Amen. Our actions reveal our heart. Those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. and They defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. All from the heart. Number four, a heart that praises God glorifies God. Psalm 86, 11, teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I will praise thee, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forevermore. You know what I believe David had before he even got to meet that Goliath? When he was on the, in the pasture there, he praised God a lot. And you ought to praise God too. And I think before anybody ever leaves church disgruntled, uh, the, anytime ever anybody... Uh, falls into sin, or I shouldn't say falls, they chose to sin, they stopped praising God before. There's no way, if you wake up in the morning, and you praise God for everything that he's done for you, and you praise God for your family, and you praise God for your church, you know what I find? There's many times I just get with God and I say, God, I thank you so much for my church. I love it. And you know what? The devil hears me say that. That week he gets under somebody's skin and they just, oh yeah? And I got to go back to the Lord and say, you know what, Lord? Thank you for that church. Praise God for it. But you know what? It's more than one time it's happened since I've been here. It seems whenever I get really excited about the things of God and how the church is going and I express that in a public way and I say, I love the church, that week the devil comes along and says, really? What about this stinker? (laughs) you know what i say yes lord 
thank you for the church. Amen. Amen. See, praising God isn't praising Him when everything's going right and good. That's no sacrifice. In fact, anything that's worth anything has to be a sacrifice. Your praise isn't about just when you get the check in the mail. Your praise is when you're broke. Your praise when everybody's turning against you. That's when you praise Him. And that's when the Lord says, Boy, that smells a lot like my son. It's called the sacrifice of praise. The giving of thanks. Amen. And I encourage you folks, give thanks to God. Don't get this sour attitude. You get up in the morning, you can't say thank you to God till night or even the next week or a week after. You haven't thanked God for a long time because you got that little thing just eating at you and you're so sour about it. Get rid of it. All you're doing is hurting yourself. God can't use you. I think a perfect heart is someone that praises God. I, I have a great respect for people that just praise God. They're going through hard stuff. Our missionary brother Coates, their little baby died. They had for just what was an hour alive. You know what they did? Just praise God. You know what? The Bible says that's a sacrifice to the Lord. You know what that means to God? You're praising me in the middle of this. That means you trust me, don't you? That means you obey me, don't you? That means that you love me, don't you? Oh, all these situations are there to prove your love for God and to prove your perfect heart towards him. And his eyes are scanning throughout this room today. Who has got the heart? Well, preacher, I've gone through a hard thing today. How can you expect? That's exactly when to expect it. That's when to expect it. Not when everything's good. When everything's backwards. If you can lift your voice up to the Lord in that time and give him praise, then the Lord says, you have caught my attention. My eyes have stopped upon that heart. And I'm looking a little deeper. Amen. Praise God for that. There is a cause. But in order for us to fulfill that cause, we've got to have the right heart. And the ultimate expression of that right heart is going to be your praise. No matter what happens, no matter how your health is, no matter how the family is behaving, no matter how people are treating you, no matter who the member is in this church that called you a name or whatever, you know what? Praise God. First thing you got to do in the morning is just praise God. Open up your eyes say, thank you, Jesus, for another day. Thank you for what you're going to do with my life today. Boy, if you have that kind of expectation, don't you know that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way? Do you know that a man like that or a woman like that that wakes up with praise on his lips, God can say, I can trust this person to handle the divine appointment I have for them today. Their eyes are wide open. That's the cause. Amen. But if you're kicking the dog before you leave to work, you got a curse underneath your breath. I'll tell you something, God just has backed up on you. I could do nothing with you. Nothing. I hope you want to be used of the Lord. The reason David, God brought him to that place through the authority in his life, brought him exactly where he needed to be. God used him right there because his heart was right. 
Is your heart right? Let's bow our heads. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. So, well, how can I have that kind of heart, preacher? Well, I think the first thing is to be saved. Are you saved? Are you born again? I'm not asking if you're religious. I'm not asking if you go to church. I don't care how long you've gone to church. Are you born again? Christ has to be in your heart. And your heart has to be clean. A perfect heart is clean. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to say all kinds of things you ought not say. You're going to do things you ought not do. Thing is to keep that way clean. Have you gone to the Lord with a sincere heart? To the Lord, you know, I've not been doing right. I've not had a right attitude. My spirit's been sour. Oh, Lord, could you please cleanse my heart? I want to stand up for your cause. I want to be ready when the time comes, when that Goliath is going to face me, that I'll know that I can do it, that I can beat that giant. One thing about a perfect heart is the perfect heart only has one God. One God. Is your heart divided? What's dictating the decisions you make in your life? Is it God? Is it always God? Is it what He wants for you? Or are there other factors? Are there other things that are in front of God? See, that's what steals the perfectness of our heart when we have another God in our life. David had a perfect heart because he always knew who his God was. Even though he messed up, even though he sinned, he always knew who his God was. Ask the Lord to rule your heart. Give him your heart. You have him in your heart. Christ Jesus is in there if you're saved. Why don't you give him also the rule of your heart? Not just moving into the porch, but saying, Lord, could you please take over my whole house, my whole heart? I want to follow after you 